thank you for having me. I'm always excited to open up the Bible and to preach. And uh, just like Kevin said, I'm from uh, Grace Baptist Church in Surrey, B.C., so I went to uh, Pacific West uh, Baptist College, and I graduated from there. Um, I praise Pastor White for starting that college. It started the year after I graduated high school, so then I went there. So right now I'm just waiting for the Lord to lead in my life just to figure out where he wants me to go. And just a little bit about my testimony. I was saved in high school, so before I didn't really know much about God. So what I did in high school was I got into a lot of drinking and smoking and drugs and different things like that, and I didn't really know the Lord. And it was during um, my high school years, my mom, she took me to church because she saw that I was going down a bad path, and it was there that uh, at Grace Baptist Church during their youth camp, somebody opened up the Bible, and they shared the gospel with me, and it was from that point on that my life, it, it changed. You know, the, the word impacted me, and, and the Lord has just been working on my life ever since that time. So we'll be in uh, Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6. And Joshua chapter 6, and verse 1 says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Before we begin, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this time that I just get to come up here and preach, and I just want to pray that you would be with me, and that you would be with my words, and that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, and just help me to preach what you want me to preach, and to say what you want me to say, and I just want to pray that you would help me to learn from your word, and to, and to, and to, and to grow from it, and I just want to pray for the congregation as well, that you would just be with each and every one of us, and just help us to get something from it, and just to grow and to, and to be closer to you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this chapter, as we know, um, it's, it's the beginning of the siege of Jericho. Now, this is a very popular passage. A lot of us, maybe all of us, we've all heard of this particular moment in biblical history. Israel, they are about to go up against Jericho. They are right now at the wall of Jericho, and they are about to go up and to attack it. But let's just take a step back, a couple chapters, back to Joshua chapter 2. So Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the land. So we can see here, we can see here that right now God, he is beginning to orchestrate the children of Israel. He's beginning to lead them and, and to guide them. So right now, Joshua, he's learned from the mistakes of the past. Because if we can remember back to before, when Moses was there, Moses, he sent spies. He had 12 spies go into the land. The 12 spies, they went, they came back, and 10 of them, they said, we can't do it. They said, God isn't able to deliver us. But two of the spies, they said, you know what? God, he is able to deliver us. He is able to carry us through this. And what ended up happening was the 10 spies, they ended up convincing everybody else, the rest of the nation of Israel, that, that they weren't able to do it. So the nation of Israel, they 
went and they said, Moses, you know, why have you done this to us? Why have you taken us out of Egypt, bring us all this way here just to let us die in the land of Canaan? And they, the ten spies, they sowed doubt into the hearts of the Israelites. So now Joshua, he's learned from that. God has given him wisdom. So this time he only sends out two spies. And the two spies, they go to the land. And the two spies, they go into the land of Jericho. And just like we read, they search and they spy out the land of Jericho. And we'll continue. So we go down to verse 23. And in verse 23 it says, So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. They said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. So we can see a markedly, dis, uh, a markedly different tone. So before, when the 10 spies, they came back, when all 12 came back, they said, no, we can't do this. They are too much. The people in the land, they are too much for us. The people in the land, God is not able to deliver us. But this time, the two spies, they come back and they said, you know what? God is with us. You know what? God, he is going to get us through this. You know what? God, he is going to carry us over this hump. The two spies, they came back and they inspired the rest of the nation of Israel to follow after God. The two spies, they came back and they said, you know what? God, he is going to get us through this. So we can see now that the nation of Israel, they are starting to believe. The nation of Israel, they are starting to get excited about going into the promised land and conquering the promised land. So now we move to chapter 4. And Joshua chapter 4 and verse 13 says, About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. So now we can see that Israel, they are preparing an army. So this was when Joshua, he came to the Red Sea, and, you know, God told him, Joshua, I want you to send the priest before you, and I want you to divide the sea in half, and all the people, they're going to walk over. So in the verse, we read that there are 40,000 prepared for war. So Israel, they have warriors that are, you know, uh, they have warriors, they have soldiers that are going there. They are prepared for war. They are prepared for battle. So God says, you know what? Pass through the land. So Israel, they're prepared for battle. So now we've just seen that Israel, they believe that God is going to give them the victory. Israel, they believe that God is going to give them the victory. And also as well, Israel, they have soldiers that are prepared for battle. Israel has soldiers that are prepared for battle. So we can see right now, Israel, they are ready. They believe, you know, what God, is, what God said he's going to do. God said he's going to give them the promised land. So Israel, they have gotten their soldiers ready. They believe that God is going to give them the promised land. And let's move a little farther along. We come to verse, or chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel. And then we move down to verse 9. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. So right after the Israelites have crossed over the Red Sea, they've got there, so they've crossed over the Red Sea. So God, he takes Joshua to the side and he says, Joshua, 
I want you to take the male Israelites, and I want you to circumcise them. And the reason God told them that is because God, he wanted the Israelites consecrated to himself. God, he wanted the Israelites to be a special people unto himself. He wanted to show them or give them a sign that he, that they were special to him. God, he was giving, he was, he was showing Israel that they were his. He wanted to roll the reproach of Egypt from off of Israel, just like he said. And you know, when we think about that, and we think about us, you know, what does that mean for us? So when we think about us and our lives as we go day to day, sometimes, you know, we'll get bogged down with different things. We'll get bogged down with sin. You know, sometimes our co-workers, you know, they'll get us down. Sometimes work will get us down. Sometimes different things in life will get us down. And we start to get our eyes off of the Lord. We start to take our eyes a little bit off of the Lord. And sometimes we just need to step back and we need to ask God to to forgive our sins. We need to, you know, get cleansed. We need to get back. We need to, we need to, we need to get right with the Lord. Sometimes, you know, we have different things that take our eyes off of the Lord, and we need to get right with the Lord. We need to have a right spirit before God. Just like the Lord rolled the reproach of, 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 of the reproach off of Israel, we need God to, to, to fill us with his Holy Spirit again. We need to have a right spirit before God. We need to get back to what we were doing before, you know, back when we were close to the Lord. Some of us, you know, we, we might have drifted a little farther away from God, and we need to go back. You know, we need to have a closer relationship with God. You see, before God was going to move forward with Israel, before God was going to take them to the land of Jericho, he wanted to make sure that the people were close to him. He wanted to make sure that the people, they were right with the Lord. And you see, God, he wants to work in our lives. God, he wants to move in our lives. But before God can do that, he wants to make sure that we have a right spirit with him. God wants to make sure that we are close to him. And some of us, you know, maybe we've drifted a little farther from God. Maybe we've gotten a little bit away from God. So God, he's saying, you know what? Come back, you know, come back, you know, ask for forgiveness, you know, come back to reading your Bible. Come back to me, you know, come back to praying. I want to roll the reproach off of you. See, before the Lord moved with Israel, God wanted to bring them closer to him. God wanted to make sure they had a right spirit. And before God wants to move in our lives, God wants to make sure that we have a right spirit before him. So can I ask you, do you have a right spirit before God today? Are you close to the Lord today? Is there something in your life that is hindering your relationship with the Lord? Is there something in your life that is keeping you a little bit distant from God? Is there something in your life that is hindering the spirit from working inside your life? Is there something that's keeping you away from the Lord? You know, we need to take that, we need to give it to the Lord, and we need to, let the Lord, we need to let the Lord roll that reproach off of us. We need to get back and get close with the Lord. You see, before God was going to move with Israel, God wanted to make sure that they were close to him. And before God is going to move in our lives, he wants to make sure that we have a right spirit before him. He wants to make sure that we are close to him. So are you going to let that thing hinder you from getting closer to the Lord, or are you going to let the Lord take that and to roll it away from you? So now we move on. So we've seen that God wanted to make sure that Israel had a right spirit. And now we go down to Joshua chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan. The children of Israel, they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan. Now this 
was a promise that was a long time coming, but it was fulfilled by God. You see, long before God, he made the promise that the children of Israel, they were going to come to the land of Canaan. They were going to eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan. And finally, we can see that promise fulfilled here. You see, God, he took the manna away from the children of Israel because he wanted to give them something better. You see, God wanted to give the children of Israel something better, and that something better was the corn in the land of Canaan. You see? This was what God had been working towards. This was what God had been bringing the children of Israel towards. He said, I want to bring you to a land that flows with milk and honey. And this was that land. But in order to do that, God had to take away the manna. You see, it was time for Israel. They didn't need the manna anymore. God wanted to give them something better. And you see, there are things in our lives that sometimes God, he has to take away from us. There's sometimes there's things in our lives that God, he says, you know what? You don't need that anymore. You know what? I want to give you something better. You know what? I have something better for you. Sometimes there's things in our lives that God, he says, you know what? You don't need the manna anymore. I've got the corn in the land of Canaan for you. You see, you don't need that anymore. There's things in our lives that God says, I want to give you something better. And that's what he did to the children of Israel. But in order to do that, he had to stop the manna. He had to stop giving them the manna in order for them to have the corn of the land of Canaan. You see, there's things in our lives that God says, you know what? Sometimes... You don't need that. You don't need that. Sometimes there's things in my life that God, he says, you know what, Tadala? You don't need that anymore because I have something better for you. You see, God, he has a plan for us. And sometimes God has something better for us. But in order for God to do that, he has to take something away. And that's what God did here. He took away the manna, but he gave them the corn of the land of Canaan. So we can see that God, he's working in Israel here. We can see that God first, he's taken Israel and he's given them, he's made sure that they have a right spirit before him. And then God, he's taken Israel and he says, you know what, I'm going to stop giving you the manna and I'm going to give you the corn of the land of Canaan. And then as we move on, now Israel comes to the wall. You see, now Israel, they are at the wall. If you remember, Israel, they had men prepared for battle. They had 40,000 men prepared for war. So they are at the doorstep of Jericho right now, and they are prepared for battle. So we can go back to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1 again. It says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So God, he was saying, I am going to give you the land of Jericho. God, he just told Joshua the land of Jericho is yours. Now remember, the children of Israel, they have 40,000 warriors prepared for battle. They are ready. They have the, the necessary people there. They have the necessary uh, soldiers in order to fight the battle. So we can think that right now God's going to say, you know what? I want you to take these 40,000 warriors and I want you to charge the wall of Jericho and to knock it down in your strength because you have the facilities for that. But that's not what God did. You see, now we go back to the story of Jericho and we remember that God, he didn't tell the 40,000 to run at the wall. God didn't tell the 40,000 to get a battering ram and to go to the wall. What did God tell them to do? When we go back to the verse, we can see in 
Joshua chapter 3, or sorry, Joshua chapter 6, and verse 3, it says, And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war. This was the 40,000 men of war that came over. And go round about the city once, thou shalt do six days. So, what's going on here? We can see that Israel, they are prepared. They have 40,000 men. They have an army that's ready to attack the city of Jericho. They have the necessary facilities. They have the necessary equipment to attack the wall of Jericho, and God can give them the victory. But that's not what God says. God says, you know what? I want you guys to march around the city. Now, I don't know about you, but militarily, strategically, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know what? When I think about it, what I would do if I was a military commander, I definitely would not say, I want you guys to march around the city for six days in a row. You see, this did not make a lot of sense. When we think about it from our perspective, and we can think about it from a strategic perspective or a human perspective, what God was telling Joshua to do didn't make a lot of sense. When I think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Marching around the city. What is marching around the city going to do? What's that supposed to accomplish? When we think about it, it's not supposed to accomplish anything. Nothing should have happened. But now, let's bring it back to us. You see, sometimes there's things in our lives that God says, you know what? This is what I want you to do. I want you to march around the city for six days. And you're like, Lord, but that doesn't make any sense. I don't really understand what you're planning here. Lord, what are you trying to do in my life? This doesn't make any sense. You see, God told Israel to march around the city. So not just once, but once every day for six days. Now you have to think about this. They're warriors marching around the city. So after the first day, maybe there were some people that started to say, you know what? I don't really know what we're doing here. Maybe there's some people that started to doubt. Maybe they started to say, you know what? I don't really know what God's planning here. And nothing happened on the first day. They marched around the first day. Nothing happened to the walls. And then they went back to their camp. Maybe they thought they were a little foolish, and they got up the next day. The next day, they went to the walls, and they marched around again. And do you know what happened? Nothing happened to the walls. Now, maybe they're thinking, okay, the first day, that was okay. But the second day, this is getting a little much. So maybe there's some people that started to say, you know what? Is God really going to do something here? Is God really going to move in this situation? But that wasn't the end of it. So they went back to their camp. And the third day, they get back up. They march around the wall. And while they're doing this, they're silent. They're not talking. They're not saying anything. They were marching silently around the wall. Now, these are men of war. There's supposed to be a battle going on. But where's the battle? Where's the mighty victory that God is supposed to bring? It's not there. It's not happening. So the third day, they go back to their camp. They look at the walls of Jericho. They're still standing there. Nothing has happened. But that's not the end of it. There's a fourth day. The same thing happens. There's a fifth day. Nothing happens again. Now, at this point, you have to start thinking. Some of them are like, is Joshua gone crazy? Is God really here in this situation? What in the world is God asking us to do? He's asking us to march around the city Five days we've been doing this. There hasn't even been a crack in the wall. Nothing has budged. What in the world is going on? And the sixth day, the same thing. And the seventh day, finally, 
Now God says, I want you to march around the city seven times. What is happening? We just did this for six days. Nothing has happened. But God says, again, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes when we look at our lives and we can say, God, what do you want me to do? God, how are you leading in this situation? Lord, I don't really understand what's going on. You know, sometimes it feels like we're the children of Jericho, or sorry, the children of Israel marching around Jericho. We go around once and we say, God, what are you doing in this situation? God, I don't really understand what's happening here. And then the next day, it happens again, and we, we don't really see God moving. We can't really see God's hand at work. We go around the city again, and then we look at our lives and we say, God, where's your power? Where's your mighty victory? What's happening here? What's going on? You know, sometimes it feels that God's not moving. God's not really doing the mighty things that he's supposed to be doing. We feel that we're just the children of Israel going around the city the first day, the second day. You know, the children of Israel, they kept going. They didn't stop. They went the third day. Are you getting discouraged? Do you feel that God's not moving? Well, don't give up. You see, the children of Israel, they kept going the fifth day. They kept going the sixth day. Nothing happened. Sometimes it feels like nothing is happening in our lives, that God is not moving, that whatever's going on in our lives, it doesn't make sense. But are we going to lose hope? Are we going to trust God? Because when we read the rest of the story, the seventh day, what happened? They marched around the city seven times. And finally, it came. They blew the trumpets. And all of a sudden, God started to work. The walls came down. The walls, they crumbled. And now, God was doing a miracle. But that took six days of nothing happening. That took six days of consistently trusting God. That took six days of believing despite nothing happening. That took six days of faith in God despite it seeming like God's not moving. And you see, in our lives, sometimes it feels that God's not really doing anything. Sometimes we can look and we can say, God, this doesn't make sense. God, I don't understand. God, are you really there? Can I really trust you? You know, sometimes we feel discouraged. We feel that God is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, or God's not moving in the way that he's supposed to be moving. You see, the men of Israel, or the men of war, they expected to go and fight a battle. And sometimes we expect God to move in a certain way, but God, he has a completely different plan. Because I can bet you that nobody, none of the warriors in the camp of Israel, they imagined that they would be marching around a city for six days. That doesn't make sense. And sometimes God, he does things in our lives that don't make sense. But he's still there. God is still moving in our lives. He's still working. And we just have to have the faith to believe God. Because sometimes it takes seven days. And then finally, God shows his power. God shows us what he's been planning all along. And that's what the children of Israel, they learned here. They learned that God's plan for our lives may not necessarily be what we think it is. You see, God had a plan for the victory. But then, you know, we have to ask, why does God do it this way? Why did God decide that this is how he was going to do things. You see, God, he could have just said, okay, you know what, day one, we're just going to go, boom, knock down the walls, and everything is going to be okay, and you guys can charge in. 
Why did God make them walk around the city for six days? Why did God wait until the seventh day and make them walk around seven more times? See, for that, we got to go back to Deuteronomy. And chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1 says, And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And here's our answer, why God, he sometimes does things that we don't understand. You see, the verse says that God did it to humble them and to prove them, because it's easy to say that we have faith. I can stand here and I can tell you, I'm a man of faith. I have lots of faith. I believe that God is going to work. But it's a lot harder for me to tell you that I have faith when everything is going wrong. When everything around me doesn't make sense, it's a lot harder to trust God. And when everything is going wrong, what God uses that situation for is to show us what's in our own heart. You see, when everything is going wrong, do you turn around and do you say, God, I can't believe you would do this to me. I don't believe in you anymore. That's what was in your heart. Or do you say, God... I don't understand this. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. That's what's in your heart. And God, he, he puts us through those difficult situations, those situations that we don't understand to prove us and to show us what's in our own heart. God, he's working. He's always working on us, but sometimes he does it to show us. You know, sometimes we need to see what's in our own heart. You see, when we go through a difficult situation, now we can say, hey, I have faith. God brought me through that difficult time. He's going to bring me through this one again. That's faith. Or if during that situation we can say, ah, I don't believe God. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't trust God anymore. That's what was in our heart. And God is showing that to us. God uses those situations, those difficult times, those times that we don't understand to show us what's in our own heart and to prove us. And that was the whole point of it. You see, God... From the beginning, he could have just said, you know what? I'm just going to take down the wall. I'm going to let Israel go, and I'm just going to give them a huge victory. But because they went through a difficult situation, now they can see that they have the faith. And they took that faith that they had from that first battle, and they brought it to the next battle. Because now they can say, you know what? God, he brought us through the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea for us. And God, the walls of Jericho, he brought down the walls of Jericho for us. So now when we face an even more difficult situation, we can say, look, God brought me through that. Excuse me. He's going to bring me through this situation as well. And that's the point. God uses those situations to grow us, 
He uses them to bring us closer to him. You see, when we go through a difficult situation, like the verse said, it humbles us because we begin to realize that, you know what? I can't get through this in my own power. You know what? I can't get through this in my own strength. I need to ask God. I need to go to God. I need to rely on him. I need to say, God, you know what? I don't understand. You know what, God? I can't do this. You know what, God? I feel like my heart is breaking. I, God, I don't understand what's going on. I need to trust you, and I need to lean on you, and I need to rely on you. God uses that situation to bring us closer to him. See, God is always working. He cares for us, and he loves us. But like we said before, God, he wants us to get the sin out of our lives. He wants us to be close to him. So? And then God, you know, sometimes he has to take things away from us. He has to say, you know what? You don't need this anymore. Or I have something better for you. And God has to take something away from us. And finally, God, he has a plan. We might not understand what that plan is. We might not understand the way that God is working in our lives. But are we going to trust God? Are we going to lean on the Lord? That's the choice that each of us have to make. I'll just close in a word of prayer.